Welcome to Teacher Quit Talk. I'm Miss Redacted. And I'm Mrs. Frazzled. Every week we explore the teacher exodus to find out what, if anything, could get these educators back in the classroom. We've all had our moments where we thought, what the hell am I doing here? From burnout to bureaucracy to soul-sucking stressors and creative dead ends. From recognizing when it was time to go to navigating feelings of guilt and regret afterwards, we're here to cut out the gaslighting and get real about what it means to leave teaching. We've got insights from former teachers from all over the country who have seen it all. So get ready to be disturbed. Join us on Teacher Quit talk to laugh through the pain of the U.S. education system. We'll see you there. Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of the Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay? Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. Дамы и господа, добро пожаловать в Prevail. Это второй сезон нашей борьбы с криминальными сволочами. Ваш ведущий Грег Олиар. I'm Greg Oliar. This is Prevail. Welcome to the program. We've got a great show. Nia Molinari is here. Last week. She wrote for my Prevail website a piece called All Tuckered Out, a deep dive into Tucker Carlson. I feel like Tucker Carlson has taken on great significance in the media landscape today. I think he's possibly the most dangerous man in the country, certainly the most dangerous man in media. And how the fuck did that happen? How did the guy who was wearing a bow tie, trading insults with uh, Paul Begala and Jon Stewart, suddenly presiding over this mass propaganda operation, culminating in his release this month of Patriot Purge, a mini-series that's basically disinformation about the besieging of the Capitol that took place on January 6th. How did this happen? What happened? What what happened with Tucker Carlson? Nia has a nice deep dive piece. And like I said, I wanted to have her on so that she and I could talk about Tucker and kind of get to the bottom of it. Because there's a lot of stuff in his life that I think is underreported that people don't know about. And, you know, we're just talking about it. We're just sharing what we know about Tucker Carlson. It's a big week for, I guess, just hateful people. Do you guys watch Succession? I'm not... No spoilers here. This was a pretty great episode of Succession. Lots of people that that are just so hateable on that show, right? And what I like most of all about Succession is that there's finally, at long last, a cool Greg out there doing Greg things. Ah! Greg. Greg. Of, uh, alcohol? Uh Uh-huh. Um, 
Sure, I'm, it, it's early, but uh, yeah, I, guess I think I'll actually have me a nice glass of uh, rum and coke. Carrie, can we bring uh, Greg some Coca-Cola? No, it's fine, really. Um, no, 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 what Greg wants, whew, Greg must have. But as good as Succession is at presenting hateful characters, people we just look at and despise... I tell you, that Kyle Rittenhouse really took the cake with that this week. Did you see the clip of him crying or pretending to cry on the stand and this batshit judge? I mean, he's taking a phone call. His cell phone rings during the trial and the ringtone on the cell phone is the Donald Trump, you know, God bless the USA theme song. This is not normal, guys. This is not how these things are supposed to go. When someone commits obvious murder, they're supposed to go to jail pretty quickly. And maybe this will still happen. I hope it does. But the Rittenhouse case and this obvious circus show that that courtroom has become presided over by this buffoon, it's making a mockery of a justice system that is already teetering. And I don't know what's to be done about it at this point. I really hope that this case ends up where we where it should end up which is the guy that killed people in cold blood goes to jail for that crime and that nobody's moved by these crocodile tears that this repulsive hateful little the word i like to use is sniveling and i don't know remember like weren't republicans kind of these tough guys you know the tony soprano gary cooper the strong silent type where they're not supposed to even emote at all? When did they become like these crying vessels of tears between him and Kavanaugh? And it's just weird, isn't it? I, I don't. Between Rittenhouse crying and Kavanaugh crying, and then Josh Hawley wants to make masculinity part of the national discourse, I don't even know what to think anymore. I really don't. The whole, the whole thing is just crazy. But here's hoping that this ship will right itself and that Rittenhouse will get the justice that he deserves, that his victims deserve. So it's, I guess, apt that the topic for today's show is Tucker Carlson, another hateful person that is on the TV all the time. Nia and I, we just kind of go through, we talk about Tucker. She shares some of her experiences about her perspective on it, especially with Dennis Hoff, who's a guy that I didn't even know. I forgot who that was. Hoff is the dead pimp. Remember the guy in Nevada who owned the brothels and then he ran for office and then he died a couple days before Election Day, but too late to take him off the ballot. And then he won. And the late night joke writers made hay for a week or so with the the Republicans elected the dead pimp. And I don't know. I mean, a dead pimp is better than (laughs) than who we ultimately got from the Republican Party. Good Lord. Anyway, enough of my chatter. This is a really interesting discussion, especially... If you don't know that much about Tucker, which honestly, I didn't know that much about Tucker. I learned a lot researching the piece that I wrote for today and reading the piece that Nia wrote for last week. So we'll be right back with Nia Molinari. Are you a white man who is the victim of a witch hunt? Is the woke mob coming to nail you shut in a cancel culture casket? Are the PC police giving you a hard time because you quoted the great Martin Luther King? State Farm can help. Hi, I'm one-time NFL champion, Aaron Rodgers. 
here to tell you about a new product from State Farm, Woke Insurance. Woke Insurance covers you in the event of loss of income if you mistake Joe Rogan for a medical doctor or tweet that all lives matter or lie about your vaccination status. With Woke Insurance, you too can be immunized. From hits to your reputation. They say honesty is the best policy. But at State Farm, we know that Woke Insurance is the best policy. Take it from me, Aaron Rodgers. I wouldn't lie to you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there for you to be a bad neighbor. And now, back to the show. Nia Molinari, welcome to the Prevail Podcast. Well, thank you for having me. So you've written now three pieces for Prevail. Mm-hmm. You wrote about you wrote one about Guam and the, your your weird experience that you had in Guam that was terrifying. You wrote a piece called um, with the very child friendly title "Fuck Giuliani," or was it "Fuck Rudy"? I can't remember. I thought it was "Fuck Giuliani." I think it was "Fuck Giuliani." Yeah, yeah, that's what the guys were saying. And uh, and now you have one called "All Tuckered Out" about Tucker Carlson. So. I want to talk first about who you are and your experiences and the perspective that you bring to bear on this stuff. So we really kind of got in touch because of the Giuliani thing. And you noticed something in your uh, former profession that I think other people would not have seen. So why don't we start there? Tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, not exactly who you are, but who you are and why you have this uh, unique perspective on these things. Well, I didn't realize that I had a unique perspective. I was raised very conservative, Arizona, Goldwater Republican, college preparatory boarding school. And then I rebelled from my upbringing and became an exotic dancer. And I think that, well, (laughs) given that I ended up becoming an exotic dancer in clubs run by the mob in various forms, either Irish or Italian or whatever, that it living in that subculture for pretty much a decade uh, gave me an insight to how that world works from the other side. And um, I guess I just have an eye for things that wouldn't cross other people's minds unless they'd experienced it. Yeah, when I contacted you, it was because I found the article about Trump being a rat. And yeah. I had thought that since before the 2016 election, I had been ranting about that to my friends who thought I was insane. And I found that article and I was like, hey, by the way, I have this weird personal story about like Rudy Giuliani and you might find it funny. And that's why I contacted you. So the article that you wrote, the story that you wrote, the piece that you wrote, I like to call, call them pieces because not really articles. But the thrust of the article is you having danced in a number of clubs in New York City at this very particular time when Rudy was going after, you know, the Italian mob, basically the five families. He did not go after all of the five families. He went after four of them. And you were able to kind of put together which ones he was protecting or seemed to be protecting based on which ones remained open. Yeah, but that was in retrospect. Yes, yeah, that's what I should say, in retrospect, in hindsight. It was in hindsight because I didn't ask a lot of questions. I just noticed 
the ambient atmosphere that I was around and what they were talking about and who was talking to who and who was bitching about who. And, you know, then later on down the road, I found some stuff online and started putting it together. And yeah, it, it was all in hindsight. But yeah, it seemed like he was going after particular families and not others. Which one was the one that he that he wasn't going after? I can't remember. I get the mixed Gambino. up. Gambino. That's what I the Gambino. I get Gambino and Genovese mixed up. I'm I'm like half Italian. I should know this shit. And I, I don't know. Sometimes the Russian names are easier than the Italian ones for me. I don't know. Well, the reason why Gambino is interesting is because Gambinos are the only ones that didn't go down during the commission and when he was uh, he was the DA yeah. for the uh, SDNY. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the commission in 1985, it was like Paul Castellano was whacked. And then Gotti just managed to slip away from that whole thing. The Teflon Don. Yeah. 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 But, as, but as soon as Giuliani was out of office, then he got arrested. Funny that. Almost as if yeah. something was happening there. Um, tell the story. Uh, now, t- tell the story for people that might not have read the piece. Tell the story about where the title is realized, because that's a good story. Uh, I ended up working at a club in Queens because Giuliani had shut down the original club and they were built. They created a a second club as a temporary hub until they could finish fighting with him. But I'd only heard the name a few times thrown out there and they, you know, it was always fuck Giuliani. The boys are always fuck Giuliani. I'm like, okay, all right, whoever this is. And then one night I'm sitting in this club and the room must have had about 500 people in it. And 90% of them were Italian. And then all of a sudden, instead of the DJ saying, oh, next on stage is so-and-so, all of a sudden, the, Ju- the, the DJ just leaned to the microphone and whispered, fuck Giuliani. And I, I was like, okay. And then next thing you know, he says it again, fuck Giuliani. And then next thing you know, it just picks up around the room and, and, and I ended up in a Scorsese film with about 150 Italians fist pumping, fuck Giuliani, fuck Giuliani. And it, it was definitely memorable. They did this for about, oh, five minutes. Oh my God. That's a, five minutes is a long time. That's yeah, a long time. A really long time. And then it became a nightly thing. Like it, it became a, a thing that they had to do at one point every single night. So that's how I learned how Julie, who Giuliani was. Did you think that his first name was fuck for a while or did you know? Yeah. That it was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I immediately assumed that he wasn't liked. So yeah. uh, you assume correctly. He, he, I lived in New York city during the time of, I, I think between the first and second terms. And he really, the first term, he did a couple of things that people liked and then it went to his head and he got really, really, despotic and he thought you know that's when people started calling him benito giuliani that was a a nickname that people had for him and at the time of 9 11 he was reviled um i don't think he was uh, yeah he wasn't eligible to run again there were term limits on mayors but if he were if he ran on september 9th he would have lost to a sewer rat with a piece of pizza in its mouth like people fucking hated that guy (laughs) um yeah i mean they really hated him yeah, because this was in 1999, so it would have been around the time everybody thought he was Benito. He was he was losing his uh, losing his popularity. Anyway, that was a great piece, and then you were inspired to write about, of all people, Tucker Carlson. And 
So that's really what we're going to talk about on, the, uh, on this episode today. We're going to talk mostly yeah. about Tucker Carlson. So why did you want to write about Tucker Carlson? Because you went down a pretty, you went down the rabbit hole with him. You did a lot of research for this. I didn't know that much about politics. I mean, I, I paid enough attention to know I didn't like Sarah Palin, even though I liked John McCain. So I voted for Obama. But and I liked Obama, but this was in the time where I was just coming out of being a Republican. So I didn't even know who Tucker Carlson was until I noticed that Dennis Hoff was running for office. Dennis Hoff being the pimp from the cat house on HBO. I noticed that. And then I was like, who's this Tucker Carlson guy? that he's friends with and then I started paying attention and I'd seen clips of him on the internet and you know I'd heard people talking about him and stuff but he didn't really have his mainstream like audience until 2006 17 really so um his big show there was something about his demeanor and something about his facade that just reminded me of everybody I went to high school with Right. And you went to, again, you went to this fancy boarding school. I went to a very prestigious college preparatory boarding school. It wasn't really, it was non-denominational and it was co-ed, but it was very prestigious. Yes. Yeah. Um, Tucker Carlson School, which is St. George's in Middletown, Rhode Island, also co-ed, by the way. Not, not all boys as far as. Yeah. 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 They've had some problems. um, Yes, they have. It's interesting. So now, Dennis Hoff, and I. this is part of the thing that you see Tucker Carlson as being this guy, this kind of smug, entitled, you know, douchebag, basically, like a lot of kids that come out of those schools. Not all of them, we know, but a lot of them. No, not all of them. Yeah. Not all of them. Um, But there is certainly, there's a stereotype of that type of person, and the stereotype exists for a reason. So um, you see that, and then also... It's weird because, again, your worlds collide in a sense. You have the boarding school world that's familiar with Tucker Carlson types. And then there's Dennis Hoff, who Dennis Hoff, for those of you who don't know who he is, because I really didn't know who he was that much. He looks like the thing from the the Fantastic Four comics. He's like <laughs> he's like, you know, kind of a, a, a bowling ball shaped dude with a big bald head, uh, big kind man. of a snarl. Yeah, he's a big guy. And um he he looks like somebody that would have owned a brothel in like 1850 because he looks like he could probably beat you up and stuff. Yeah, he's like yeah. Swearinger. Yeah, the- Swearinger. <laughs> the, 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 Swearinger is much more much more uh, refined though. I think and likable. Yeah, yeah, Al Swearinger might be my favorite TV character of all time. By the way, I, I know well, it's a great character. I I, yeah, um, Dennis Hoff Knotts. He's more of the 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 um, Powers Booth character. I think that that you know. Much more, yeah. more brute force than, uh, you know, uh, panache, I suppose. So he runs um, brothels. He owns brothels in Nevada, where it's legal at the time. But uh, still, he owns yeah, brothels. It, the guy is a it, literally he's a pimp, and he's good friends with Tucker Carlson, which is strange. Yes, I found it strange because Tucker is constantly touting his faith and Christianity and family values and everything else he touts. But then again, at the same token, he also will, you know, get obsessed with pandas having sex or things like, you know, talking about 
girls in thigh high boots. And, and you're just like, where did that come from? Like that. Yeah. He just pulls these out of his ass and, and they're out of nowhere. And so you, you can kind of see there's something else underneath there, but I still don't understand to this day how they became friends. Yeah. Cause he doesn't say there's a, there's a piece that you cite um, that he wrote that Tucker wrote for the new Republic in I think 2007. He's a very good writer, by the way. He really is. No, he, no. He, yeah. I know he is. Yeah. He's, he's, he, he makes jokes and he said, you know, even, even describing going there, he says like, why well, I show up at the, at the, uh, the Ron Paul event with a pimp and two hookers or no, he says, I didn't expect to show up at the, at a political event uh, with, with a pimp and two hookers, but on the road, things sometimes don't work out the way you plan. Like some, some joke like that. And it's like, it was really well done, you know, but on the other hand, it's, and it was very, you know, no, it's, it's a little bit sexisty. Like he's, you know, he's using it as a, as a, uh, as a prop almost just to make the joke. I don't know. There was something a little mm-hmm. bit dark about it that, that uh, exploitative about it, I suppose. Well, I just still to this day wonder what crawled up his ass and made him decide to call Hoff. Yeah. For Ron, to go see Ron Paul. Like it couldn't be because of tax breaks. It's, I mean, I think maybe he just, maybe he was bored and he wanted to visit the brothel or maybe he was like, Hey, um, I want this guy to win. I know this guy who might be helpful. I mean, it might have a perfectly anodyne explanation. A guy that runs a brothel would be a libertarian in a sense because he doesn't want the, well, yeah. Yeah. So it, it, and he says it in the article, I I suspected that he might have libertarian leanings. He said he describes him as smart, but not political and probably as libertarian leanings, but yeah, again, he doesn't tell the whole story and there's a lot of that in his work and in the stories that he tells that you you mm-hmm. question is this guy on the up and up in fact david from the speechwriter the republican speechwriter wrote a piece fairly recently about how um you know tucker was the source allegedly for a lot of people Leaks. during the trump years mm-hmm. for quotes and inside stories and this and that and yet he's such an unreliable narrator and the stories can't be you know, confirmed or verified that it's like, does he even, why do we believe what he says? Because often he'll say something and it turns out not to be true or he'll, an exaggeration, such as, for example, the time that, um, remember, he, he was like, Antifa has come to my house and they're threatening my family. And it was like, there were like 10 people outside his house chanting, you know, because he's a fucking asshole. Uh, so they were protesting in front of his house, which I, Last time I checked, my constitution is a is a protected right under the First Amendment in the Bill of Rights. Right. And Tucker, you know, calls the police because, of course, he does. And um, he says that uh, I heard people saying that there were you know, there were have a pipe bomb and they started to break it. They, they, they burst against the door and they, you know, they they damaged the door. And none of that is true. They didn't damage the door. Nobody said anything about a pipe bomb. Um, there, there was a, a firsthand account from a journalist who was there and he was like, this thing was over in 10 minutes. It really wasn't a big deal at all. But Tucker is a, you know, he's a big baby and he couldn't handle it. And he called the police and he made this whole thing about it, which then media went and took and ran with his version of the events, even though his version of the events was not accurate or was exaggerated based on, you know, other accounts of people that were there. Well, that's what he does best. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the skill set. Yeah. It's an inherited one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you have to His question skills- everything. Yeah. Yeah. Everything. And he'll question it and then implant 
something in your brain. So you question it, but he doesn't ever actually say what it, yeah, he's got this skill set of bullshit that's just unreal. Yeah, he's very skilled at he's he really is. And that's what makes him dangerous. And um, you know, wh why I want to talk about him because he's right now, I think he's a huge threat to, you know, first of all, for the all the, the COVID misinformation that he's been that he's been spreading. And with the yeah. insurrection stuff, is is really this movie that he's put out, this mini-series called Patriot Purge, which is complete bullshit. And everybody has said it's complete bullshit, everybody reputable anyway. Why is he doing that? I mean, you, you, one has to ask, why is this guy doing this? He knows this is bullshit. Why is he doing this? There has to be a reason. And that's why I think it's good sometimes to go back and look at the totality of this, of this man and, and figure out, you know, was he always like this? Did he turn at some point? Is he, I know. you know? Um, that's why ahead. I started digging so deep. And that's yeah. why I started like, I'd go down one thing and I'd search here and then I'd fall in another rabbit hole and I'd be like, oh my God, he's related to this. And oh, he's connected to that. And oh, his dad knows so-and-so and oh, this happened. And then it, it's just an endless rabbit hole. Now, I first became aware of, of Tucker Carlson in the 90s, in, in the, the late 90s, I guess, whenever he was on Crossfire. I remember watching him on Crossfire because I used to like that show. I enjoyed that show. And I, I liked him on Crossfire. You know, I did. I thought he was generally reasonable. He's not that much older than me. I think he's three years older than me, four years older than me. So he's around, you know, at the time he was very young to be on that show. And, you know, he was confident, he was funny and he, he wasn't crazy. He didn't say like completely batshit stuff. He, he was more arrogant prep school Republican rather than like holy roller Jesus Republican. So, yeah. um, and for yeah, he me, was country, he was a country club Republican. Yes, exactly. And for me, I mean, you know, I came out of, I grew up in, um, in a town in New Jersey that's now become very affluent. It wasn't as affluent when I was growing up there. It's such a Tucker Carlson town, Madison, New Jersey. How much of a Tucker Carlson town is it? Tucker Carlson fucking lived in the town when he was working in New York. That's where he lived. He lived in the town. I, I wasn't there anymore, but that's where he chose to live, right? So, wow. like, uh, you know, my parents are not, you know, they're nominally Republican. There's lots of Republicans in my family. And growing up in that town, there's a lot of these country club kind of Republicans. And when I was in high school, certainly, you know, uh, that's definitely wh where my leanings were, because I felt like the teachers and a lot of the other kids uh, in the school were, were not. And it was irritating. And I get, I, I knew that about myself that I said, I, if I go somewhere where it's too woo-woo, it's gonna really turn me into a hardcore conservative weirdo and I don't wanna do that. So I went to school somewhere where there were more conservatives and therefore I turned out okay. Uh, but you know, a different click of the dial in my brain, like a little bit, I could very easily be Tucker Carlson right now. I would be a complete asshole and I would have a lot more money. But the, the vibe is mm -hmm. like, I get, I get it. I get his shtick, I get why he's popular. I totally understand why people like him. Um, I, even I understand get, it too. You know, even the central grievance of it is is understandable. Like, again, he's not that much older than me, so you know, me coming up in high school and try and applying to colleges, and there's at the time because colleges have always been sexist and racist generally about who they let in. They're trying yep. to they're trying to correct for that now, and you know, so there's lots of uh, programs and and um, 
scholarship opportunities and stuff for minorities and for women as I perceived it in the in the early 90s. And I I get it. I understand why that's necessary. But a lot of people don't get it. A lot of people are just like, fuck that. It should only be about merit and nothing else. And yeah, that, 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 which sounds like a perfectly reasonable thing to say. And that's what Tucker does. He he speaks to that grievance that's there. I'm telling you, it is there, you know? Oh, I know it's there. It's in my family. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> right after right after Obama was inaugurated, I happened to be in Arizona and I happened to be at a country club. And I was sitting at the counter and this woman walked in and they call them snowbirds because they fly down and live there or California transplants. They get all pissed off when they retire out there. And this woman walked in and asked the bartender to change the TV over to CNN. And the bartenders laughed and he goes, I don't even know what, cha- what number the channel is of CNN on my TV or whatever. Everything was NASCAR and Fox News all mm-hmm. around the room in the country club. That's all that you could see in the, in the bar in the dining room. And finally got the guy to turn the channel and they were showing um, Barack and Michelle Obama and the whole thing. And this asshole sitting next to me was drinking his beer and he was staring at the TV. And then he looked at me and he said, well, I'll be goddamned. Michelle Obama really does look like a gorilla. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. That really happened. And this is uh, also in Andy Biggs district, by the way. Yeah. And I literally wanted to dive on the floor because I thought the bullets would be fired. And then I looked around the room and I realized there wasn't a person of color for miles. Yeah. Aside from, aside from the guys working in the kitchen. Yeah. And that was a game changer in my brain. I just, I just, I was just absolutely horrified. I mean, to be able to, not only to have the thoughts, but to be comfortable enough to share it in a public place at a bar with a stranger. Yeah. It's really, you know, the arrogance of that and the, the condescension and the And the when I saw... And when I saw Donald Trump running for president, I warned all my liberal friends he could win. And it's that memory that made me realize that was the point, that, that he could win. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's dangerous stuff. Um, so Tucker. Goes and it's from, the same audience. Yeah, it's the same audience. You know, Tucker goes from being on Crossfire. When he starts off, he... Just to give a, an overview of his of his life, okay, um, not his early life because we'll talk about that next. I think after the break, but um, mm-hmm. he graduates from um, Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut, and he only got into Trinity because um, his eventual father-in-law, the headmaster mm-hmm. at St. George's, wrote a recommendation and basically Correct. begged them to take him because he is a terrible student, um, mm-hmm. smart guy, bad student. So he goes there, he majors in history, he graduates in 1991, he marries his wife in August Uh of the same year, Susan. Um, Then he goes to work kind of as a gonzo style journalist and doing this and that. And, you know, he's writing these articles and he's good. He's, he's, He's smart, he's perceptive, he has shit to say. And he kind of falls into TV 
he starts appearing on TV after the OJ thing, I believe. And then he kind of drifts, he, yeah. he goes from channel to channel. He was at PBS for a while. Yeah. He had his own show on PBS as part of the um, Newt Gingrich's uh, big push to make PBS more right-wing and more conservative. He went to, um, you know, he was on CNN doing Crossfire until John mm -hmm. Stewart literally just destroyed, he destroyed Crossfire so badly that the, I think I watched that live, by the way. I remember why I watched it. Oh, really? It was yeah. Yeah. It was kind yeah, of a big you, deal. You, I didn't even know who this, these people were until like six years ago and I started paying attention. So, <laughs> so I've seen the clips in retrospect and I, it, it's horrifying to realize that I allowed myself to be so ignorant to what was going around me for so long. And I don't think I'm alone. I think a lot of us woke up in 2016. I think, I think a lot of people woke up too. And I, I, I fear that people went back to sleep after 20, uh, 2020 though. Yeah. So I'm afraid the, of that too. I'm not, I'm not positive, but I'm afraid of it. But, um, so then he, he drifts from station to station. He's at MSNBC next at MSNBC. Mm -hmm. He likes the format where he gets to like argue with people. He likes to debate. Like, I think he's very comfortable in that format. Um, where he's just, you know, debating people. So he has panelists on that are regulars, one of whom is Rachel Maddow, who at the time was a DJ or, or a, 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 not a DJ, she was on the radio. She was a radio figure and nobody really even knew who she was outside of the audience and, you know, where she was doing radio in Boston. She wasn't really even on TV yet. So it's interesting that he winds up basically discovering her and giving her her start on, on TV. And now they're like rivals on, in the- I did know who, Rachel Maddow was because I used to see her on Politically Incorrect. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. like one of the figures I actually did know who she was. Okay. So, um, But her, you know, going into this format, I think that was her big, you know, that was a break for her. That so. was a big break. It was a huge break for her. Yeah. Um, you know, and she's terrific. I mean, obviously, but, uh, and then- I love her. It takes him a while to get to Fox. It takes him a little while to find his audience and the audience is at Fox. There's also, speaking of him lying, there's a, at, in the early days, he always wore a bow tie. That was his big thing. I know. And there was a story, somebody asked him about when he stopped and it was after MSNBC in around 2006 when he stopped wearing mm -hmm. the bow tie because he says people kept coming up to him at Penn Station and yelling at, at him about it. And he said something like, yeah, just people just don't like you when you wear a bow tie. There's something about it, which I didn't realize. And I think that's bullshit. I think he knew exactly that. I think he, I think he did know that it makes people not like you, and that's why he did it. But you know, <laughs> I st well, he still he looks funny to me, not in a bow tie. It's like yeah. when you see Tom Selleck and he doesn't have a mustache. It's like it's it's not right. What are you doing, Tom Selleck? Where's yeah, the mustache, Magnum? Right. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't work. Yeah, I will always see him in a bow tie too in my head. He yeah. just it, it just suits him. Yeah. He's 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 that way. And then when he's on Fox, he gets his own show right after Trump, you know, is elected uh, right yeah. after the election. And like then, a week. yeah. And then um, in January, Megyn Kelly goes to, um, mm -hmm. to NBC in that ill fated move, which is bad for both NBC and Megyn Kelly. And then Tucker takes over that spot. And that's that's it. That's his he's that's been it. He's been there ever since. He's been the prime mover in that spot ever since. But it's it's when you look at it chronologically, yes, Tucker is has always been around. He's always been doing stuff. But his rise into who he is now 
coincides with Trump taking with office. Trump. It absolutely yeah. does. And, you know, maybe- And that's one why the, I was so fascinated. Yeah. And maybe one of the reasons why is because he was willing to carry the water for him. You know, I mean, Hannity is such an obvious hack about it, but uh, I think Tucker, he's better at the propaganda because he, he, he doesn't seem like he's doing it quite as obviously as Sean Hannity does in my, in my Yeah. Opinion. Yeah. Hannity kind of has this boot licking thing. Yeah. Yeah. It, whereas Tucker just feels like he's his natural element with that Trump anger and animosity. He's a troll. I mean, I think, I think Tucker's always sort of a troll. I think he's, he's always been that way. You know, in his yearbook, when he graduated from college, there, there was the thing where he said he was in the Dan White Society, a reference to the guy who shot Harvey Milk, um, yeah. who was, you know, the first openly gay um, official yeah. in the state of California. So to write that in a yearbook um, is just like, why would you do that? Like, it's not funny. It's just dick. It's just dickish. Yeah, no, he's just that dickish. He's yeah. literally he's the older child, but he's the dickish little brother. Yeah. It's he's very strange. And, you know, maybe it has to do with his upbringing and his father and his mother. So let, let's, uh, that's a let's, whole other, let's, let's break now. We're, we're, uh, Gotta have a bigger boat. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Neil Molinari talking about Tucker Carlson. Our world is more unstable than at any time since the height of the Cold War. And it's not just terrorism or conventional conflict that cast a shadow over the future. I'm Arthur Snell, and I've spent much of my career in British government service all over the world trying to stop bad things from happening. I've done election monitoring in Zimbabwe, counter-terrorism in Yemen, stabilisation missions in Iraq and Afghanistan. Now I'm back home watching it all unfold, and what I'm seeing has got me worried. My new podcast series, Doomsday Watch, examines the looming threats that the world is not looking at. From the collapse of the petrochemical oligarchies that enforced a brutal form of order on the Middle East, to the rise of President Xi's aggressive China, to an impending second American civil war. That's Doomsday Watch, every week, with me, Arthur Snow. Find Doomsday Watch wherever you listen to podcasts, before it's too late. Okay, we're back with Nia Molinari. We're talking about Tucker Carlson. I know it's funny. <laughs> um, all right, let's talk about his. Let's talk about his parents because this is a, this is a weird. I didn't really know anything about Tucker's upbringing at all. I mean, people call him the frozen fish heir, and that's not even accurate. It, it, it's uh -uh. funny, but it's not even. It doesn't really tell the full story to the point yeah. where I wonder if Tucker himself encourages people to call him that. You know, like he'd rather that they that they call him that than the truth, which is a little bit darker. Um, his father, who's named Richard, and of course, any Republican of that age, go, and if his name is Richard, <laughs> you know, he goes by Dick because, of course, he does. Right. <laughs> so you have Dick Car Carlson, Dick Carlson right. um, was born in, in uh, 41 in Boston and his mom was uh, a 15-year-old girl who was in high school, and his father was an 18-year-old college student. And the mother um, 
didn't want anyone to know she was pregnant so she starved herself and when he was born dick carlson uh he had uh, you know he was a little bit sickly he had rickets and his legs were bowed and this and that and she immediately sent him to um uh, an orphanage called the school of or, or, or the home for little wanderers which is such a sad sad name and he's taken into foster care by this couple i can't remember their name um who want to keep him but they already have three kids and the orphanage is like we really would rather that the foundling go to a, a, a you know parents that don't have any kids so he stays there till he's like two and a half and then one day this woman named carlson comes by and just uh takes him away so he's i mean imagine the psychological damage of that where you're you're, you're not old enough to remember your you're, you've always known these people to be your parents and you're two and a half and then suddenly you're just gone and that's it it's it's it, it's really I don't know what that does to a person but it's it's got to bring up issues of extreme Attachment. abandonment yeah um that's not even the weirdest thing by the way that's not even the saddest thing the father wanted the mother to go you know after they were a little older he said we should go back mm -hmm. and adopt this child because it's our kid and we should get married and we should have the kid and when she refused because I think she was what, she was 16 or 17 years old he was so upset that he he got a gun and he shot himself and killed himself like you know a couple of blocks away from her house so you know those are tucker that's, carlson's grandparents that's those disturbing two. yeah it's 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 very disturbing and sad it's just it's a sad sad story um so he goes to the carlson's and eventually gets married to this woman named lisa mcnear lombardi who is an artist right she's an artist i think she's from san francisco and she's a you know she's a bohemian lady and they get married and they have two kids they have tucker and they have buckley <laughs> buckley because, so because of course yeah like you can you know you know where this guy's political leanings are his name is kid fucking buckley and when tucker is i believe six years old the mother is just like yeah i'm done i'm out bye and she just leaves she leaves dick with the two kids and she moves to France. And the word on the street is what Tucker said in the interview, right? She left, she, he said, he doesn't talk about it. This is an interview with the New Yorker. He doesn't talk about it, but she left to fulfill a bohemian lifestyle. So again, both him and his dad were abandoned by their birth mothers, which is interesting. Correct. Yeah, and sad. Yeah, you know? it's very sad. It's um, very sad. I think that, you know, therapy would be a better direction rather than ruining a country. But. <laughs> Probably. And I'm sure that, you know, you, you pointed out in your piece, there's always this misogynistic undercurrent to everything that he does. And there has been for a long time. Certainly there were emails that came out with he and his brother writing about some, some woman, I can't remember who it was, horrible, horrible uh, misogynistic comments that it really shouldn't be emailing. Um, or putting yeah. people or saying it all for that matter. So you have this under undercurrent of, you know, misogyny, but you know, and maybe that's just why anger. Maybe, yeah. Just anger at women. Right. Yeah. But maybe, you know, right. not to justify it, but if your mother leaves when you're six and that, not only does she leave, when she dies in 2011. <laughs> yeah. You want to you want to tell yeah. this one? Well, she dies in 2011 and 
in her will, she leaves everything to her second husband except for $2. And that's $1 for each of her sons that she hadn't seen in God's born. So that's pretty brutal. That's like, that's, right. That's, she may as well write fuck you in the will, you know? Yeah, I might as well write fuck you because that's basically what it was. And that'll cause more anger. So we, but they did try to sue the estate, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the things that happens in abusive marriages is the spouse makes the victim look bad or, or the, the parent who's the abuser will convince the children that the victim is the abuser and yeah. the horrible person. Yeah. And so the fact that she left the country and I don't know, I don't believe that she just was, it's a very slim chance because she could have been a completely disordered, crazy person and just picked up and left. But it's highly unlikely in my brain. Um, it doesn't happen, but once in a million situations. Yeah. It's a straight, it's a strange situation. I, I do. I, 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 a source told me who knows him a little bit said that, you know, the word on the street is that the birth mother is, quote, a loon. Right, but, but that again, could have been pushed by Dick. Exactly. That Consider the source. The source is ultimately either going to be Dick or Tucker and not, you know, this woman who, by the way, has a, a whole portfolio of art that she's done. She's a sculptor and, you know, she has work and she got married. She had, it's not like she went to France and went into the woods and, and lived off the, the you know, ate bark or something. Like she went there yeah. and she's an artist. I mean, yeah. and married so. and with, with people. So, yeah. And you know what? The truth can only be found by if you can hear all sides of the story. And you can't hear all sides of the story here. So we don't know. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. But it is notable, I think, because it, you have these absences. You have in Dick's life, you have an abandonment. And in Tucker's life, you have an abandonment. And you yeah, know, that definitely colors, uh, you know, it affects you. It can't not affect you um, in some profound way. So, Dick Carlson, the 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 uh, the father, okay, um, goes on. He survives all this, but he he winds up as a journalist in California, and he's writing for Look Magazine, which was a <laughs> magazine, right? So yeah. he he writes an article in Look Magazine accusing the mayor of San Francisco, whose name is then mayor, whose name escapes me, of being connected of, of associating with mob people. Right, I remember that. Yeah. So they sue. Uh, they sue the magazine. Okay, they sue Look Magazine. Look Magazine eventually mm -hmm. goes out of business because of this. Although the lawsuit goes on for years. And I'm going to pull this up because this is what the judge said. In the four libel trials, it was shown that Look's basis for describing these meetings was information obtained by Mr. Carlson from Tommy Lee Thomas, who said he was repeating what he had been told by Mr. Fratiano, once his father-in-law, the New York Times reports. Fratiano? Yep, Fratiano. <laughs> Tommy Thomas. Okay. When Mr. Carlson asked an FBI agent assigned to organize crime investigation about the meetings described by Mr. Thomas, the agent said he had never heard of them. The presiding judge says the allegations were made with, quote, actual malice, i.e., with reckless disregard for their truth. Okay, then. Reckless disregard for their truth. That may as well be the fucking tagline of Tucker's show, right? That's what right. I mean. So Dick goes from doing that 
um, to working for the United States Information Agency, which is basically the US propaganda arm, the anti-Soviet mm -hmm. propaganda arm. Again, not all propaganda is bad. Pro-America propaganda, great, we need it, but it's still a propaganda outfit. Then he runs Voice of America uh, for mm -hmm. years. He's the longest serving head of Voice of America, which again, does Alder a lot of great right. work. Yeah, he's there yeah. when, when, as you say in the piece, when, when Reagan uh, does the tear down the wall speech, he's running mm -hmm. Voice of America at that time. Then he leaves in 1991 to become the ambassador of the Seychelles of all things. Strange, weird, Seychelles. I don't know. <laughs> and then he kind of he drifts off a bit and Tucker becomes much more prominent in the years uh -huh. after that. But he's still hovering. And one of the things he does is he's working or he's somehow affiliated with this outfit that, um, you know, recently, 2019, 2018, 2019, was doing lobbyist work for the for Viktor Orban and the government of Hungary. And that brings us back to now and Tucker. Because as you recall, um, not long ago, yeah. Tucker was in fucking Budapest licking this man's ass, talking about what a great guy Orban was. Orban is two things. He's a wannabe and dictator. How, yeah. And he's and, a puppet. Yeah. He's a puppet for the Russians because he's take, he's taking their money. We know this. He's mm -hmm. a he took Mogilevich's money. He's a bag man for Semyon Mogilevich, comma, the head of the Russian mob. So you know, you've got Tucker there doing basically boosting Orban. You've got his father in the background, maybe, you know, somehow involved with this company that's lobbying for Orban, although not apparently at this time. Apparently he wasn't right. involved directly with the thing, but he was still, you know, in some ways involved with it. And then Mogilevich is the one giving them the money, you know, to Orban. So it's, it's this, it's a pretty direct link between Russian mob and what these guys are saying. And Yes. I, don't, I, I don't see how you can escape that. It's very strange. The thing is, is with everything that has been going on for the last six years that blows your mind is, is it's all out in the open if you look for it. It's right there. Yeah. And everybody acts like it's not happening. It's like the, the pink elephant in the middle of the room. Yeah. Don't think about elephants. And all you can think about is elephants. The lobbying company that Dick works for now, in two years ago, they paid like $295,000 to Fox or something. There was a, a filing somewhere I read where they were actually paid and then all of a sudden you put Orban on his show. I'll have to look that up and send it to you, but I, I did find in the open secrets that Hungary paid two hundred ninety five thousand dollars. Yeah. In two thousand nineteen. Yeah, that was the last year that, that they took money from from Hungary. So again, these guys are on the show. If you're boosting somebody on your show. You and you're taking and you're in any way affiliated with with lobbying efforts or anything like that. You have to disclose that or you can't call yourself a news outfit. I mean, correct. You know, in the last year, he's really gone dark. I mean, I, maybe it started in 2010 when he when he got when he founded the Daily Caller with his college roommate. I mean, the Daily Caller is pretty awful. Um, oh, yeah. In terms of, you know, having giving platforms to people that later turned out to be white nationalists. Um, yeah certainly extremists and not in a very nice way. Um, he divested from that, I think in 2020, I think he was, he was there for 10 years profiting from it and then sold his stake in it, but he's still and involved he with it. Yeah. yeah. He was still involved with it for all that time. And, you know, the problem now is that there's no question that Tucker's reporting has contributed to 
um, misinformation and disinformation being spread about the pandemic and the virus and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and now this business with the insurrection where he's trying to rewrite history of the insurrection with this Patriot Purge show. It's not good. No, it's not good at all. And I just wonder who's, who's feeding the pitch points, you know, that he's supposed to stick to. I yeah. just, that's what my brain is, is like, I don't know if it's the Murdochs or if it's somebody else or I don't know who it is, but somebody, because if you watch Fox News and you, you go and you check all the clips from the shows from that night and they all hit the same bullet points. Mm-hmm. Even if they do it in a different way, they still hit the same bullet points. It's like they all got the memo. Yeah, literally they got the memo. The messaging is the same. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't understand where it's coming from. I mean, it could be just just to, you know, in a non-conspiratorial way, it comes from, you know, news meetings that are held internally, probably at Fox, where some sort of news director that we don't know who it is, but somebody that that's in charge of running the operation says, ah, these are the things maybe we should, you know, these are the, uh, I know Associated Press does that. They have a news meeting and they say, here's the eight most important stories of the day. Likely they have a meeting where they say, here are the eight most important stories of the day from our perspective or whatever. But all this shit is boosted by Rupert Murdoch and by his son. And, you know, Tucker's also lost, he's lost advertisers. I mean, his, his ratings are good, but the advertisers have taken a hit as he comes out for some of this stuff and the Murdochs don't care. They want him. No, they don't they like him. You know, they. I know that's what's scary. He loses advertisers, so he's not making them money except for cable subscriptions. So, why do they want him? Yeah, it's a strange thing. I mean, usually, it's if if it's not a money based thing, then there's another agenda. Yeah, there's another agenda, and maybe Rupert Murdoch and his son are just. That's just what they. They don't care. They're already ridiculously wealthy and they're just evil people that want to fuck the world. And this is their way to do it. I mean, it seems to be a very large amount of people that I've noticed in the last few years who are like that. (laughs) That just want to fuck the world and are very wealthy. Yeah. 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 They just want to screw the world over, you know, fuck it. Just watch the world burn or whatever. But, um, you know, and maybe Tucker is one of these people. I don't know. Um, But I don't think so. He went. At some point, you also point this out in your piece. There was a time when he was pretty likable on TV. When he right. wasn't as angry, you know, he's he was always shouty. But there was, at, certainly in the Crossfire days, there was a sense of fun to it. That, that he wasn't really um, serious about it. That it was performative. And He looked like he was having a good time. Exactly. Well, it, perfectly put. He looked like he was having a good time. He doesn't look like he's having a good time anymore. He always has that no. look on his face like he's just smelled something terrible. Um, yeah. And that isn't something that he used to do a lot. I don't think. No, I don't think so either. And he now looks like he's holding his breath. Yeah. And, and he's getting the dead eyes. Back when I was uh, working... As a stripper, we used to notice that some girls, when they would allow their own boundaries to be violated and they went beyond what they personally, ethically were comfortable with, they, mm-hmm. they continued down that path. They ended up with dead eyes. Yeah. Like their soul was gone. Yeah. And he's, he started to get dead eyes to me his soul has been sold for, you know, metaphorically, certainly. I mean, he, 
there was a there i don't know when the point was i don't know if it was gradual or something very obvious but he he has gone to the dark side i mean there's no there's no two ways about it the stuff that he's it's one thing to just you know go out there and trumpet libertarianism like i don't agree with it but it's fine when he was on crossfire uh he wasn't um trying to end the world he wasn't he wasn't arguing that we shouldn't you know that the, the mask that the, the you know that he wasn't there was no pandemic going on where the stuff he was saying was really dangerous the democracy wasn't in danger the way that it is now and he's contributing to that in in a very horrible danger i keep saying the word dangerous but there's no other word for it it's a dangerous thing he's playing with fire in a sense yes he's definitely playing with fire but it's like it's become more extreme even since he first got the show in 2016 it's just getting crazier and crazier and more like you know how lindsey graham went from being kind of normal to like lindsey graham just like looks like he's being held hostage all the time yep it's similar but not as extreme well it's not as lindsey graham that happened on the golf course one day like i can i can tell you <laughs> you can look at his twitter feed and pinpoint the exact moments you know right um it's like you ever watch the simpsons on the on, on the valentine's day episode of the simpsons that you know um when she break when lisa simpson breaks ralph wiggum's heart bart they're watching right. the video of it and bart's like wait mm -hmm. go in slow-mo you can pinpoint the exact minute when her heart when his heart breaks right and, and um it's the same thing like Lindsay, it's like oh no there it is it's right there and with tucker it's not that obvious it's not no it's not yeah you know, he he went down the road and i don't know if he wants to be down this road i don't know if he if he's just fuck it i don't care um i know he's kind of a lazy like he's smart enough to figure stuff out but he doesn't really put in the time to really go into the into the weeds with it is is what i've heard about him um and maybe it's just that maybe he's just like fuck it i don't care i've got my money well a large portion of the people i went to college preparatory boarding school with they grow up and end up going right into the business their family has because that's where the trust fund is yeah. and they have other aspirations but they don't want to lose their safety net so they're kind of puppeted by the wallet I don't understand that that's what baffles me because Tucker's made enough money now where he could walk away from all of it and just say, you know what? I was, all, I was completely full of shit. I apologize. I did it for this reason. And, uh, the country's more important to me than whatever this is. And he's got enough money now to do that, but he keeps doing it. Who was it that was floating the idea that he was going to run for president? Somebody was, was floating that idea. I can't remember who it yeah. was. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shit. Maybe um, that's what this is. Maybe this is him preparing to leave Fox and run for president. Maybe that's why he's all in on all this stuff. I found something interesting. His latest book is titled The Long Slide. Yeah. And for some reason, I, I was like, that sounds really familiar for some reason. And there's this poem called High Windows by Philip Larkin mm. that talks about the long slide. It made me think this was going to be his last book and there's something else going on. He may be an asshole, but he's very literate. I found my Philip Larkin book. Good for you. Yeah. Look for uh, High Windows. High Windows is a 
it's a whole oh here it is where are you high windows what page 129 and it made me look that up because i remember reading this poem and for some reason the title of his book struck me in a way that made me go look up that poem okay let's read the poem let's let's this is a good way to add <laughs> First of all, I love Philip Larkin. So here, High Windows by Philip Larkin. Am I allowed to read poems? I think I can. When I see a couple of kids and guess he's fucking her and she's taking pills or wearing a diaphragm, I know this is paradise. Everyone old has dreamed of all their lives, bonds and gestures pushed to one side like an outdated combine harvester and everyone young going down the long slide to happiness endlessly. I wonder if anyone looked at me 40 years back and thought, That'll be the life. No God anymore or sweating in the dark about hell and that or having to hide what you think of the priest. He and his lot will all go down the long slide like free bloody birds. And immediately, rather than words, comes the thought of high windows, the sun comprehending glass and beyond it, the deep blue air that shows nothing and is nowhere and is endless. Yeah. I don't know why, but I remembered that poem when I saw that his latest book was called The Long Slide. And I went, you know, he's a he's an intelligent dude. Maybe a dick, but he's intelligent. And he's very literate. Yeah. And I think I don't know, it just felt it felt like you know how sometimes you're like, oh, I think he knows this poem, or he's yeah, I don't know. It just felt relevant. It's an allusion to, to the poem. I mean, it, 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 maybe it isn't, but it, it, it certainly could be. I mean, it should be. It's appropriate. It makes sense. Yeah, it totally it, makes sense. That's what I'm saying. I was like, oh my God, this is like, makes sense in a strange way. It just makes sense. So, okay. The one thing that we haven't talked about that I want, well, there's two things, I guess. First about Dennis Hoff is that but nah, that's not really, I don't, we don't need to talk about Brooke. I don't think that's that relevant, right? Brooke? Yeah. The only thing about uh, Brooke Phillips, there was a lot of unanswered questions about her death two years in 2009. Um, Brooke Phillips being, you know, uh, one of the one of the Bunny Ranch employees who was also on that Cat House show. Yeah. Yeah. And she was Hoff's girlfriend. Oh, I didn't know she was Hoff's girlfriend. Okay. Oh, a lot of them were Hoff's girlfriend. Um, the only thing I want to bring up about Brooke is, is I wonder how many women who have worked at the ranch are still alive. Mm. I would like to see, but because they use pseudonyms when they're working girls, the obituaries would not be under the same name. So I don't have the ability to hunt down that information because you would have to get their real names out of the paperwork in the ranch. But sex workers are considered expendable in the underworld. Yeah. So, and they generally know a lot of what's going on and the lucky ones are the dumb ones. So, <laughs> because they don't know what's going on. Um, the only thing about Brooke Phillips that made me question anything was wondering how many other women died of random things or how many women may knew too many things stuff like that yeah um 
Brooke Phillips, by the way, is one of the when, when Tucker wrote the piece in the New Republic saying, I've come to this event with a pimp and two hookers. One of the quote unquote hookers that he's with is her. So mm -hmm. and then within a couple of years, two and a half years of, of that. Right. Yeah, right? two years. Exactly. Um, she's found dead with a you know bullet to the head and she's 22 pregnant. weeks pregnant. Yeah. And nobody knows who the father is and it's this whole kind of thing and then the show gets canceled i think after that pretty quickly not long after that yeah hoff by the way um he's dead he died of a you know it was a heart attack right was he was on yeah <laughs> he was not in good shape he was not young and he's probably um eating viagra in copious amounts i think to oh keep i up think with... they, found, they found viagra in the autopsy yeah and uh he despite being dead still won um he he won the election that he was running in and if, you might recall because i don't remember i didn't remember his name um until you brought it up but i do remember the jokes going around for a week or so about, about the how, dead pimp yeah, yeah the republicans ran, ran the dead pimp um so that's who he is the dead pimp um that's one thing i want to bring up the other thing the last thing that i have on my list to bring up is the whole matt gates thing because <laughs> right. Matt Gates is accused of, of sex trafficking minors. And it's this right. big thing. This isn't that long ago. With Green Green Greenberg? Joel Greenberg. And yeah. he goes on Tucker's show and there's <laughs> this monologue of <laughs> desperate <laughs> prevarication and just like, oh shit. And you could see whoever his lawyer is must have been like <laughs> Get me to the studio now, you know. Oh my God, what is he doing, this dumbass? So yeah, that that was classic. Um, but he, at one point in this broadcast, he says, "You recall we went to dinner, Tucker." Um, Matt Gates says, <laughs> "I was there with a friend of mine who you'll remember, and you you were there, and your wife was there." And Tucker. <laughs> The look on his face is just, it's not one I'd seen before. It's its similar to the dead-eyed smell bad, but it was more like, oh, fuck. You know, that that seemed to be the, the read on it. And he kind of, he, he afterwards, he was just, I, I, don't, I don't have any recollection of what you're talking about. I can say that actually you and I went to dinner about two years ago. Your wife was there and I brought a friend of mine. You'll remember her. And she was actually threatened by the FBI, told that if she wouldn't cop to the fact that somehow I was involved in some pay-for-play scheme, uh, that she could face trouble. And so uh, I do believe that there are people at the Department of Justice who are trying to smear me, uh, you know, providing for flights uh, and hotel rooms for people that you're dating who are of legal age is not a crime. Uh, and I'm just troubled that the lack of any sort of legitimate uh, investigation into me would then permute, would then convert into this extortion attempt. I, I, I don't remember the, the woman you're speaking of or the context at all, honestly. He said something like they kind of threw it away. Yeah, and I, I had speculated, I think on Narrative Live that, that week that that was, that was Gates saying, hey, I, you remember, remember this? I can you tell know, I people about this. I got some shit on you. Yeah, that's yeah. what it sounded like to me. I, mean, I had no <laughs> idea. We were just speculating here. I don't either. We're totally speculating, yeah. but no, he was like a rabbit in the headlights. He, and, and, he just you know, like froze. And he may have just been frozen because he couldn't believe this guy just said something like that and, and wrapped him into it. You know, he could have been like, what the fuck are you talking about, asshole? But, but um, I left. Yeah. It was pretty funny. 
So it was really funny. You know, again, and but, I don't doubt that he has something on him. I, they all have shit on each other. I swear yeah, to God. I, I'm, I'm sure they do because they're, they're together all the time and they're, yeah. you know, they, there's stuff to do and whatever. He's still, look, Tucker Carlson, he's friends with the pimp who died. And you know what? If he's friends with the pimp who died, he's friends with Ron Jeremy too because Ron Jeremy was always with Dennis Hall. Yep. Yep. Ron Jeremy being the world's greatest male porn star. Um, I mean, I don't know if he's supposedly. I don't. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, he's not talking, and Heidi mm -hmm. Fleiss isn't talking. Heidi Fleiss is. Um, remind us who Heidi Fleiss is. Heidi Fleiss is the Hollywood madam from the '90s that got busted with the black book of all the Hollywood people and politicians and everything else in her um, madam ring. And she's friends with Hoff. All girls. Yes, she's actually extremely close to Hoff, and. They were friends forever and really close when he died. But yeah. she, she, she chose to go to jail rather than talk. She never talked. She never ratted. She went to jail. Yeah, the, the women go to jail and the men just, you know, can't, can't give themselves up fast enough. That's what happens. I don't know. I, I think that Ron Jeremy's, I think he knows a lot of shit. And I thought it was weird that he got arrested like, after all these years, I mean, why not get arrested 20 years ago for the same shit that you've been doing all your life? But um, a lot of people are dead and in jail. That are or, in that circle, that are connected in some way to the Hoff stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's really, really, I notice things like that because I've seen it in the world that I used to roll in. So. Yeah. And again, you know, we're, we're not bringing this up to be lurid or to make jokes. We're bringing it up because it's weird that Tucker Carlson was friends with the pimp. Exactly. Been, yeah. Like there's all this shit going on. And why? If I could actually meet with Tucker Carlson, I'd be like, dude, why? Yeah. Explain it. Mm -hmm. So he's also Tucker's son, also named Buckley, is working. <laughs> um He's working for a congressman named, um, I get these names mixed up. I get Biggs and the other one mixed up. It's not Biggs, it's, it's the other one. Oh, Andy Biggs is the one in Arizona in Chandler. It, no, this uh, is the guy, this is the guy in um, Indiana. Yeah. And I can't remember his name, but he's the, he's the one that Liz Cheney wrote the letter about that, um, that he was lying and saying he was on the January 6th commission. It isn't on the January 6th commission. Banks. Right. Is it Banks, Jim Banks, maybe? Yes, I think that's it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think so that's it. I think Jim Banks. There's another connection there between, you know, Tucker and 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 uh and the insurrection, which now he's trying to whitewash and put out this propaganda piece about it, you know? And mm -hmm. again, we've you know, we've been talking and we'll wind up here, but we we said a lot of things about his life. Some of the things are funny, some of the things we're speculating, but one thing we're not speculating about is what he's doing right now is very, very dangerous. It's a threat to people's yeah. health and it's a threat to the, to the health of our democracy. And, you know, I don't, I, I think he's one of the most dangerous people working right now, certainly in he media. Is. Yeah. In the beginning, we were talking about what my perspective is. Yep. My perspective is, is extremely unique because I had the married into old money college preparatory boarding school thing where i watched these guys in their youth who grew up and became these people mm -hmm. and these country club whatevers and 
then when I became an exotic dancer, these became the same exact guys that I spent most of my time ripping off. <laughs> because I understood them from growing up with them. Right. And what's, what you will find interesting is when I looked for places to go work during that time frame, I would look for Republican leaning areas because they always had the abundance of clubs and the abundance of dudes who spent money mm. rather than the blue areas. Yeah. Like it, it, it's really fascinating, but it's true. The guys, I mean, if I could do it all over again, I would just follow the PGA tour. <laughs> because wherever the pga tour goes just find the club right there and you're gonna make money between 3 and 9 p.m and go home oh and i guarantee you they also vote republican so yeah. i just thought you'd find that insight interesting that that's why i know all of these guys have shit on them yeah that it's, they're not going to admit i think it's interesting and i think i have no doubt that you're right and um you know it it it, it all speaks to the hypocrisy of of the republicans it, in general right it, it that's speaks what to i'm the, trying to say yeah, they're you know family values blah 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 and then, and then I'm sitting with the guy in the club at 5 p.m. after his office and his golf game, and he's showing me pictures of his kids, and I'm going, oh, nice tie, you know, whatever. And he, there's a disconnect there. You know, there's a disconnect. It's like a compartmentalization. And maybe, oh. you know, I'm, I'm thinking now, like, maybe the psychology of it is that somebody that can compartmentalize that way in such a way where they, um, you know, they have this wife and kids situation, and then they go off and and golf club with the guys and hang around and cavort with pimps or whatever maybe that brain the brain's ability to do that is exactly the sort of person that you want to be the face of your propaganda network because that is the sort of person that isn't going to have a moral qualm about it because they've already proved that they can hold two conflicting thoughts in their head simultaneously and sleep at night you know like dexter yeah like dexter yeah tucker carlson <laughs> as dexter i think <laughs> I think that's a good way to to uh, to wrap it up. Now, I would say follow you on Twitter, except that you have a Twitter account and then it got suspended for some reason. We can't figure out why. So, um, but it is at <laughs> Nia Molinari on the Twitter. Nia Molinari, thanks for joining me on the Prevail Podcast. Everybody, take a look at her stuff on my Substack. Nia Molinari. She has three great pieces there. One of them is called "Fuck Giuliani." The most recent one is called "All Tuckered Out." Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. The Prevail theme song is by Matthew Fassa. Sofia Tereshenko provided the Russian introduction. Voice talent is provided by Tally Briggs, Signadella, Stephanie St. John, Brett Petticord, Ryan Byrne at History Falls Apart, and me. Thanks to Allison Gill, Molly Hawkey, Kanai Williams, and everyone else at MSW Media. Please subscribe to The Prevail website with updates every Tuesday, Friday, and Sunday. Your $5 monthly subscription funds the site and the podcast. Visit gregoliar.com to learn more. Thanks for listening. Drive safely. Don't forget to tip your server. Until next time, we shall prevail.
W-Media.